But we have a special guest. This one of Pastor John's advisors, dear friends, prayer warrior, uh, and in the Dallas area from Duncanville. So I want us to stand and give a warm welcome to Sonny Canaster. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, if you're here for the very, is there anybody here for the very first time at Church on the Rock? Anybody? Anybody here for the very first, here for the very first time? Well, let me just say God bless you for being here, but let me uh, apologize in one way. Some of you may have heard John Miller on the radio or somebody told you about this church and you thought to yourself, I think I'll go attend that church and hear Pastor John. Surprise. Uh, he's not here. Uh, we were together this week uh, in Branson, Missouri, and uh, he had asked me several weeks ago if I could come and uh, preach here this morning, and I gladly accepted this invitation. Uh, five days ago, I just returned from India. I uh, spent uh, some time in India at a pastor's conference where we had about 1,500 people involved in the pastor's conference and spent some time out in some of the village churches preaching and sharing the word and uh, got back last Tuesday and then got up on Wednesday and drove to Branson uh, where we were with Global Advance and a great retreat with Rice Brooks. You may not know that name, Rice Brooks, but Rice Brooks has written a book called God's Not Dead. There is a movie coming out on March the 21st called God's Not Dead. I trust you're going to show it here in Texarkana. But it, you need to write it down. You need to go see that movie. We had the privilege of previewing that movie at this retreat that we were at, and it is a tremendous uh, movie about uh, the apologetics and God is not dead. The storyline is a young man in college uh, goes off to a university where he encounters a philosophy teacher that is an atheist, and uh, the teacher has the students at the very beginning of the class sign a piece of paper that says, God is dead. He said, if you'll sign that piece of paper, it'll save us a lot of time in this class. But that young man could not do that. And so the teacher made him get up for 20 minutes in each class and defend his case about Christianity, about why God is not dead. I won't give you the punchline, but I encourage you to go see that movie because it is great. And you'll be hearing more and more and more about that as we go along. Let me say something uh, about your pastor and his wife. They are truly my dear friends. And have been for a long time. I've been connected to this church and actually have preached not on this particular platform because it's a lot different than it was when I preached here. But I've been involved in this congregation since the late 70s, before this church building was even built, under Dr. Pa uh, Dr. Lawrence Kennedy. And then I've watched pastors come and go. Then I saw Pastor John Miller take this congregation to where it is today. Wow, what a job he has done. And uh, I'm proud of. Pastor John Linnell Miller, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I honor your pastor today and his wife. As I said, I just returned from India. And boy, that was a rough trip on me. I'm telling you, we were going from day to night and flight 36 hours from the time we left to the time we got home. And, and I'm still not over it. I woke up at 2 o'clock this morning thinking I was in India. and realized then I'm here in Texarkana. And so I stayed awake for a while just praying and just seeking the Lord and trying to get my jet lag taken care of. But I, I thought about Linnell. Uh, Linnell's had a real battle over the past few years. And what I call her my warrior princess, princess warrior. She is something else. Uh, but to go off during this time of uh, battling cancer and going through chemo and all of that she's gone through, and she goes off to Mexico, goes off to Haiti, goes off to Thailand, 
Ooh, I say, God bless her. God's grace is all over that lady. And uh, what a powerful wo- woman she is. And uh, to see this young lady uh, uh, about to be raised up and sent out on the mission field. I love this church. I see these t-shirts. I love my church. You know what? I love your church too. Uh, because you are missions-minded. You don't think just about yourselves. You're thinking about a world that's in need of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Pastor John and I have recently joined together in a, in a new organization. Well, not really new, but a resurgence of an organization called Church on the Rock Network of Ministers. And we are convening for the first time in, at my congregation in Duncanville, right outside of Dallas, March 17th, 18th, and 19th. We're gathering. Uh, we've got close to 100 pastors and their wives and staff that are coming in. And we are gathering together some of the former Church on the Rock churches and some of those that have never been a part of this. God has put it in my heart to, uh, to raise up the next generation. Uh, and this is the message I'll preach to you today because God has put an urgency in my heart that it's time for the young leaders to step forward and be everything that God has called them to be. Now, for us that are a little older, it's, we're not finished yet, right? We still got some fight left in us, amen? I have a lady in my church, I call her my Shiro. Uh, at the age of 65, her husband passed away and she went to Christ for the Nations, received a call of God upon her life to go to the mission field. Now she is 78 and serving on the mission field in Africa. And she sends me photographs from time to time of her on the back of a motorcycle traveling to a village. Uh, she sent me pictures of herself as they were going through a, uh, one rainy, rainy day. She was traveling on that motorcycle and got stuck in mud and the bike fell over. She fell in the mud and she got up and the villagers came running to her and gave her some clean sandals and washed her off the best they could. Then she went into the village and preached the gospel. And uh, Lorita, she is my shero. And I say, Lorita, man, you're a blessing. Because I know what this trip did to me going to India. I can't imagine uh, moving myself to a foreign country, living uh, in not so pleasant circumstances and getting up, going out and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to all missionaries that do those kinds of things, whether you do it long term or short term, I say a big God bless you. And to this congregation, let me say something to you. Uh, you are a blessing to me. I am a pastor of a church, have been for 27 years. And when I hear what God is doing here at Church of Architecture Canada, my heart just kind of jumps inside of me. I talk to John. We text every Sunday morning usually, and he tells me what's going on, what he's going to preach on, and I talk to him and say, what's going on at the church? Every time I come in these doors, there's something new that's taking place. And, uh, and I, I just honor you as a congregation because you are a blessing to this pastor. Your faith is spoken of literally around the world. And especially in my, I talk about you, and uh, you are a blessing to me. So it is a privilege to stand here and bring you the word of the Lord this morning. And let me say something to you, though you may not expect me to be here, though you did see my name up on the billboard. I don't know if that's a good thing to do or a bad thing to do. But uh, you may have seen that and you wondered, uh, well, what's this going to be about? Well, let me just say, everyone that's here today in this room, you're here on purpose. This is not an accident. I am not an accident. Uh, I am here on purpose. God has ordained this moment. And so I stand here uh, before God because I know that He has he, he orchestrated this, this time right now for me to be with you and for you to be in this room right now. So I have an expectation. 
God is up to something. God is up to something. And we get to be a part of what He's up to. Isn't that cool? It's pretty awesome, isn't it? The God of this universe, the God of all creation, is working and moving among men. And He says, if you want to, I'll let you participate. And those who say yes to Him, He, he just orchestrates our lives and lets us be used by Him for His glory. So I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to speak God's blessings over your pastor and his wife as their way that they'll get the rest and uh, just some grace in their life, favor that they need right now. Let's just pray for them, and I want to pray for you. Uh, Father, I just want to stop just a moment and pray for my dear friend, John Linnell Miller. Lord, I speak a blessing over their life this morning, wherever they are at right now. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would encourage them, strengthen them. Lord, I pray they'd find your favor and your grace. Lord, I just pray they'd be encouraged. Their arms would be lifted up right now. And they would find supernatural strength coming into their life. Lord, I pray over this congregation. Lord, I bless them this morning. Lord, they're special, Lord, in your eyes. They love you so much. I know it. And Lord, I know that they have a heart to want to reach those that do not know you. And so, Lord, I speak a blessing over Church on the Rock, Texarkana. Bless this congregation. Use them for your glory. And Lord, here this morning, I know you have something in your heart for us. So, Lord, we open up our heart right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. I will read two verses out of that, and then we'll read some other verses. But this is the... Uh, verse that the Lord gave me at the beginning of this year as I was seeking Him uh, about the message for 2014. I was just saying, Lord, what is the word for 2014? What do you want me to know about this coming year? This is one of the words that He gave me actually in 2013. It was my last message I preached in 2013 as I looked forward to this coming year. And as I read this word, it just so happened. Now, you know, God's pretty awesome the way He does things. But it turned out that this verse is 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 14, for 2014. Just happened to fall that way. Not a coincidence, I don't believe. But let me read, if I could, verse 13 and verse 14. Then I'll give you some background. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 13. Suddenly, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, have you seen all this great multitude, that is the enemy that was about to attack them? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab says, by whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. Then he said, who will set the battle in order? And he answered, you will. And then it goes on to say, he mustered or he gathered the young leaders of the provinces and there were 232, and after him, he gathered all the people of the children of Israel, 7,000 of them. Now, let me just kind of give you a little background of what is going on. King Ahab, it's not such a good king. King Ahab was married to who? Jezebel. Everybody remembers him from us? Jezebel. And she led her husband into Baal worship. And they just began to follow bells and set up Baal idols all over Israel. And King Ahab was kind of milk toast kind of king. He just kind of, whatever his wife said, yes, ma'am, I'll do it. 
But King Ahab, for some reason, God says, I'm going to show myself strong in your behalf one more time. I want you to know that I'm God. Well, there was an enemy, Ben-Hadad, that was coming after Israel. And he just sent, simply sent a message to King Ahab and said, King, I'm coming after your loveliest wives. I'm coming after your sons and daughters. I'm going to come and I'm going to get all of your gold and your silver. You know what King Ahab said? Okay. All right, I'll give you what you asked for. You know what fear does? When the enemy makes you so afraid, makes you say things and do things you normally wouldn't do. And King Ahab says, okay, just like you said, oh, Lord and King, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you my loveliest wives. I'll give you my sons and daughters. And I'll give you my silver and your gold. Well, Ben Hadad thought, well, that was easy. And he sent back word again. He said, you know what? I think I'll take a little bit more. I'm coming after all of your servants. I'm going to get more than I just said. Well, that didn't set right with him, King Ahab. So he goes to his elders and said, you know what? Ben-Hadad said he's coming after me. And I told him he could have what I had. But then he said he wanted more. And they said, no, don't give him any more than he asked for. So King Ahab sent word back to him says, okay, you can have what you said at first, but I'm not going to give you any more than that. Well, that made Ben-Hadad, made him really upset. He said, I'm coming after you. I'm going to destroy all of Samaria. You get ready. And King Ahab said, well, be careful that you don't say things before you can put your armor on to fight. Don't count your chickens before they hatch, he says, basically. And then the verses I just read, suddenly a prophet stepped up to King Ahab and said, that great multitude that said it's coming after you, I'm about to give them into your hand. Who's going to do it? The king said. Because I know he's pretty weak, and I'm sure he thought, I can't do it. Who's going to do this? He said, the young men of the province, they're the ones going to. Who were these young men? They were the bodyguards of the governors, 232 of them. They were the armor bearers. They were about to come become the armor wearers. And they are going to step up and go into battle and lead the 7,000. You know who the 7,000 were? Just a couple of chapters before, you remember Elijah on top of Mount Carmel had this great victory over the, the prophets of Baal. And, and then Jezebel started chasing him, and he wanted to die. And God said, Elijah, let me tell you something. There are 7,000 other than yourself that hasn't bowed their knee to Baal. Well, here the 7,000 are. He said, these 232 young leaders are going to lead the 7,000. They're going to go into battle, and they're going to defeat this enemy. And that's exactly what took place. God put it on my heart at the beginning of this year. He told me, this is the year to begin to raise up the young leaders. To raise up the young men and the young women, the teenagers, and even children, I believe God's going to anoint. To be raised up to, to lead in the next battle that's, that we're facing. Let me just say, there's some battles ahead of us. There are, some, there are some battles that we're going to fight that it's going to take the young men and the young women to get anointed of God to fight those battles. Let me give you one example, and I... And I We'll just go through a few of these examples. But let's go to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27. I believe God is raising up, and we, I've heard a lot about the Joshua generation. Uh, God is raising up a Joshua generation. It's going to take a hold of the anointing of God and do what God has called them to do. Now listen, in Numbers chapter 27 verse 18, we know that Moses is coming to the end of his life. Uh, Moses 
God says, Moses, I'm going to allow you to go look at the promised land, but you're not going to be able to enter into it. Uh, you're going to see it, but you're not going to fight the battles that's going to ensue in the promised land. Joshua is the one that, that you've been raising up. He's the one that's going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and he's going to defeat the Canaanites. So we read in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom the Spirit is. Lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest, before all the congregation, and inaugurate him or commission him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim, and the word they shall go out, and his word they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him and all the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, laid his hands on him, and commissioned him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Would you look over at Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. In just a few moments, I'm going to call for the young men and young women to come into this altar. And I really sense that I, we need to lay hands on them. And I believe in this altar there's going to be an impartation of authority and power and anointing to do what God has called them to do. Because God, it's time, young people, listen to me. It's time. Rise up and take your place in the kingdom of God. For there are some battles that need to be fought that only you can fight. Now let me just say, I fought some good battles in my lifetime. Ooh, I've been at this a while. And that God has graced me to be in some of the greatest moves. I was alive in what some of you may read in the history books, what was known as the Jesus Movement. Any of you here alive during the Jesus Movement? You remember the Jesus Movement? When there was a Spirit of God that swept across our nation and young people were getting saved and baptized on the East Coast and the West Coast. And I mean there was a Spirit of God and there were many, many hippies. Anybody know what a hippie is? Hippies were getting born again, changed by the power of God. They were on drugs and they were messed up. But they were getting converted and delivered and set free by the power of God. And I got to be a part of that awesome move of the Spirit of God. It was awesome. And I, I remember, and, and the reason I was a part of that, one of the reasons was because of my father. Uh, my father, was his name was Howard Kanatzer. He pastored a Southern Baptist church in Dallas, uh, who eventually he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and we just had a sovereign move of God. And we had these hippies coming in our back door in their blue jeans and sometimes sandals, sometimes no shoes. Long hair, beards, and my dad said, just let them come on in. A lot of churches said, no, you go cut your hair, change your clothes, then come back to church. But I'm grateful my father said, no, just come on in just the way you are. And they came in, and they got born again. And, uh, man, we, we baptized. I remember baptizing many of them. Funny story. I was baptizing one of these hippies that got born again. And he had this afro, big old hairdo, big old beard. And uh, you remember that? And I was baptizing him, and I said, oh, it is great to baptize someone that looks like one of the old apostles. It reminded me of one of the old apostles. Well, there was a lady in our church that misunderstood what I said. 
A year later, she came to me and says, Pastor, I got something to say to you. She goes, what is it? She goes, I'm offended with you. I said, what about? She goes, you know, a year ago when you baptized Larry, you called him an opossum. I said, I didn't call him an opossum. I said he was an apostle. Looked like an opossum. And, uh, you know, offenses, you know, how that happens sometimes. But, but God, it was a sovereign move of God, and God allowed me to be a part of that. And, I mean, we had some great battles. I mean, we were casting out demons, and, man, we were doing all sorts of things. I mean, going out in the middle of the night doing, uh, it was just one of those sovereign moves of God. And then my father passed away in 1978, and we moved on, and Larry Lee started Church on the Rock in Rockwall, Texas, and some of you may have attended that church one time or another, and I can remember being a part of that awesome move of God. It was a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. Where on a Sunday morning, we were having, on Sunday, not Sunday morning, but Sundays, we were having five services on Sunday. We started church at 6.30 in the morning. We had a 6.30 service. Had about four or five hundred people come out at six in the morning to go to church. Then we had an eight o'clock service, a ten o'clock service, a twelve o'clock service, a four o'clock service. And I went to every one of them. I was young. I was ready to go, you know. And we were going those services, and it was just a sovereign move of God. And then I started our church when I was about 33 years old. Started the congregation I've been preaching at now for 27 years. And God has allowed me to be a part of some awesome moves of God, but what God has put on my heart, He said, it's time, it's time now to get ready to raise up the next generation to run this race. And I believe we're running a relay race. And for a while, we're going to hold on to the baton together. And there'll be a day, some of us that are a little older are going to let go of the baton. And the next generation is going to run the race that God's called them to run. But right now, God said, there's some important things you've got to do before that time comes. Because there's an impartation that's got to happen. There's some power that's got to be imparted to this next generation. And that's exactly what's going to happen, just like Joshua. I thought about a young lady named Deborah in the Bible. Deborah was one of the judges. You can read that uh, in the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 4, you read about Deborah. The name Deborah means bee. That's, the, that's what it means. And it actually means uh, a spirited, fiery person. And that was Deborah. She was one of the judges, and one day she began to prophesy, and she called her uh, general, Barak, called him to her and says, God has spoken to me, it's time to go after the enemy, and God wants to use you to go fight the enemy, and you will defeat the enemy. Barak says, well, I'll go if you'll go with me. She says, okay, I'll go with you, but guess what? You're not going to get the glory for this battle. A woman's going to get the credit for this battle. Lo and behold, they went to battle. The enemy began to run, and the leader of that particular battle, and I want you to, if you can go to uh, Judges, if you would, uh, I want to read something to hear because there is a woman. Listen to me, young ladies, I want you to listen up. God is about to empower you to do some things you thought you would never do. It's not just for the young men. The Spirit of God is falling upon all flesh, upon our sons and our daughters. I've come here today to say we want to empower the women and the young women to do what God has called them to do, anointed them to do. And God anointed Deborah to be a judge over Israel. And then as they went to battle, then it says uh, in verse 16, Barak pursued the chariots of the army as, as far as that city, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. 
However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, or Yael is pronounced in Hebrew. And she went into, he went, the enemy now, went into the tent of Yael and said, would you hide me in your tent? And this young lady said, oh, come on in. Hide underneath this blanket. He said, would you give me something to drink? And she gave him some warm milk, which put him to sleep. She realized who he was. He was the enemy. And Yael did as she had done day after day after day. She was a, uh, I say not a homemaker, but a tent maker. She took care of the tent of the family. And she would be the one that would, when they would move, they would take that tent. And she would be the one that would drive the tent stakes in the ground and set up her tent. Well, that's something she did day in and day out of her life. Just an ordinary lady doing her ordinary life until one day God spoke to her heart and said, I need you to do something extraordinary today. And she took that tent peg and she put that tent peg on the temple of that enemy. And she drove it right through his temple all the way to the ground. And that day she got the glory for killing the enemy. Now that sounds pretty gruesome, doesn't it? But that's exactly what I believe. And it's not a physical battle we're fighting. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and powers. You young ladies, listen to me. There are battles you're going to fight on your knees. And I believe you're going to drive the tent stake right through the temple of the enemy and kill him. And if you go on and you read Deborah's song, she began to write a song after this great battle. And she wrote this in verse 24 of Judges chapter 5. And she wrote this, Most blessed among women is Jael. The wife of Hebner the Kenite, blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water, she gave him milk. She brought out cream and a lordly bow. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sesera and she pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, he fell dead. That was the story of the first fighting woman of the Bible. And I believe God is raising up not just young men, He's raising up young women. They're going to be fighters, warriors in the kingdom of God. And I really believe that's happening right now today. I don't have time to go into much detail to talk about these others, but let me just mention some of them. I thought about Gideon. Gideon was one of the judges of Israel. But when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, what was he doing? He was hiding out due to fear of the enemy. He was threshing wheat, but he was hiding so the enemy would not see him. And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, You mighty man of valor. He said, Who? Me? <laughs> That's not me. My father's clan's the least in all of Israel, and I'm the least in my father's house. That can't be me. He said, Yep, it's you. You know, God sees us different than we see ourselves. And I promise you, inside of some of you young people, there's a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. And God is going to raise you up to be just that. It's time for the Gideons to come out of hiding. It's time to step up and do what God has called you to do. I thought about Ruth. Ruth came out and left the Moabites. She left her pagan ways and began to follow the God of Israel. Ruth became a clinger to her mother-in-law. Not just to kiss her. Her sister, Oprah, kissed her mother-in-law and left. Ruth said, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you. And she clung to her mother-in-law and clung to the God of her mother-in-law. I believe God is raising up some Ruths. I believe God's raising up some Esthers who are in the kingdom for such a time as this. 
I believe God is raising up some Jeremiah's. Jeremiah, when God called him, Jeremiah said, oh, I can't do this, God. I'm too young. And God said, Jeremiah, listen to me. I knew you inside your mother's womb. I had a plan for you before you were even born. Now I'm going to anoint you, and I'm going to touch you. And here's what God said. I will touch you and set you over nations and kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, then to build and to plant. I believe God is raising up some young people. They're going to root out some things, pull down some things, so you can build and plant the kingdom of God in many places around this world. So young people, get ready, get ready, get ready. Some of you are going to be just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They came out uh, of a godly situation living in Jerusalem, and they were taken away into Babylonian captivity. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego remained faithful to God in the midst of a pagan society. And let me just say something. I believe we can remain pure in the midst of a pagan society we're living in right now. There's a way to do it. You know how? Staying true to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stayed true to God even when they were told to bow at the idol of the king. They said, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bend my knee. I may burn, but I'm not going to bow to this idol. I'm only going to bow to my God. And he said, if God chooses, he can save us from this fiery furnace. And they went through that fiery furnace. Guess who showed up with them? Jesus the fourth man in the fiery furnace, showed up right in that furnace with them. I wonder, I say to myself, what was that conversation like? What did he say to them? Did he say, thank you, man. Stay strong. It won't be long now. And they came out of that fire not even smelling like smoke. And then Daniel, when it was commanded not to pray to anyone but to the king for 30 days, the Bible says Daniel did what was his habit. He went right back to his house in an open window, and he prayed to his God. Can you imagine the temptation to compromise for 30 days? Okay, 30 days. I think I can. I'll pray in secret for 30 days. That'll be over with, and then I'll get back to my regular prayer life. But not Daniel. He said, I'm not going to stop what is my habit. I'm going to cry out to my God, and he did. And then guess what happened? He had to go to the lion's den. But the king who made that edict was sorry that he made it because he liked Daniel. And he stayed up all night praying and fasting. And he said, Daniel, maybe your God will save you. And after the night was over with, he rushed back to that line and said, Daniel, did your God spare you? He said, oh, yes, king. My God shut the mouth of the lions. Let me just say something right now. Young people, listen up. God's about to anoint you. God's about to empower you. God's about to impart to you some strength and power that you don't even know resides on the inside of you. There's an anointing that's going to rise up. You're going to do things. You're going to do exploits as you get to know God. My people perish for a lack of knowledge, but those who do know my God will be strong and do what? Exploits. And I believe I've run a good race. And I'm going to continue to run the race till Jesus comes again. Or he say, that's all for you. Come on up here. Receive your crown of rejoicing. But I'm going to run my race well. But I believe young people are going to run well past what I've ever done. I believe God's going to anoint you in these last days to do more could ever dream possible. Because there's, there's, there's battles to be fought, wars to be won. And I believe. With all of my heart, God has spoken to me. He said, now it's time. 
for you to go raise up the next generation. Leaving a legacy. That's one of the reasons we started Church on the Rock Network of Ministers so we can raise up the next generation. I'm going to ask right now, and, and for me, it's, I'm 61 years old, so anything under you know, 60 is pretty young to me. Uh, but what I want to do, I want to ask everybody that's under 40 years old, if you would come and join me right here in this altar. If you're under 40 years old, now I'm not, all of you that are over 40, nothing against you, okay? I'm going to use you here in just a moment. But if you're under 40 years old, I want you to come and stand. Look at this. Under 40 years old. Wow. Come, just get down here as close as you can. Under 40 years old. Wow. There's something I don't I know down in my knower. Just I know deep down on the inside. That I know there's an anointing and there's power in you. You don't realize it's in you. As God spoke to Gideon that day and said, You mighty man of valor. And he said, Who, me? He said, Yeah. He said, you go in the strength of your might, might that you already have. There's something residing in you. You don't even realize it's in you. And God's going to begin to reveal. You're going to go about your ordinary life just like Jael did. She went about her ordinary life until one day God says, I need you to do something extraordinary. God's, he's about to pour out anointing and power on you. He's about to empower you to do some things that you just wonder right now. If he showed it to you right now, you wouldn't even believe it. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen. That's why God sent me here. God said, release these young people. Just like Moses laid hands on Joshua. And he took some of the power and the anointing that was in him and imparted it to Joshua. I want to lay hands on you today. I want those that are here. If you're a little over 40, you're a man or woman of God, and you believe in these young people, you know what I want you to do? I want you to join me in praying for these young people today. And I want you to come. All of you that are a little older, and you, you know God has worked in your life over the years, I want you to come and join me in this altar, and I want us to pray for these young people. Because I believe, with all of my heart, there is coming today an impartation from heaven in your life. I have an expectation from the Lord. So come on down. All of us, we're going to do this, and we're just going to lay hands on these young people, and we're going to see the power of God go. Just continue to sing. We're going to just do what God has called us to do right now for a time of impartation. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No sin can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. Tasted and sing of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit. Flood this place. 
Father, we thank you for these young leaders. Lord, we believe this is an hour of your power. And we were just least power to come upon them. Lord, power to be a witness, Lord. Power to be filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead or dwell in their mortal bodies, Lord. We thank you, Lord. This will be a movement of signs, wonders, and miracles, Lord. So we thank you, power, Lord, to pray for the sick and see them recover, Lord. To see the lame walk, Lord, the blind see, the deaf hear. Lord, we thank you, Lord, and now we ask you to open their eyes to see the harvest like never before. Lord, open up their eyes when necessary to the spirit realm to be able to uh, declare uh, against powers and principalities and see them pulled down in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for those that seem like they're kind of wavering back and forth. Well, we declare this is the day, Lord, they'll get off the fence. This is the day, Lord, that they're going to step in to their full calling in Jesus' name, and we thank you. But we thank you. There's grace right now to just follow you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for power to be released in Jesus' name, Lord. And Lord, we pray for this older generation, Lord, that we'll be able to muster this army, Lord. We'll be able to help them get in order, Lord. We'll be able to train and equip them to fight the good fight, Lord. And we just declare, Lord, that the harvest is coming forth in Texarkana in Jesus' name. And we just pray, Lord, even in the school systems, these young warriors will rise up and be declared the word of the Lord over their school systems, Lord. And we just bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just continue to pray for them. I just felt in my heart that the Lord wanted to give you a challenge. And this is, this is most important in your life. That um, intimacy. You've got to have intimacy with the Lord. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to study the Word. You've got to know the Word because it's going to be the Word of God that's going to defeat the enemy on every assignment that comes against you. And this one is... Um, probably is equally important purity and holiness you will not see God without holiness God says he's not playing games with any with people anymore you're either going to walk in righteousness and purity and holiness and you're going to say no to the things of the world and young people I'm going to tell you something there are going to be challenges out there that the enemy's going to come against you and he's going to say oh well this is okay I'm telling you I have seen enough in my lifetime, where people say, I love God, but I'm going to move in with this person, and we're going to live together. God says, no, you're not. He says, it's going to stop. If you want to see the glory of God move through your life like you never have before, and I just heard someone say yesterday that somebody had a vision, or not really a vision, they went to heaven, 
and God, for every two that were walking into the kingdom of God, 98 were going to hell. And they said that they saw billions of young people coming into the kingdom of God. This was yesterday's word that I heard. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Two challenges. In the word, purity and holiness. You will not get away with it any longer because you have a loving Father that has the best, the most wonderful move of God that is about to happen that this world has never seen. And this is how it's going to come. Amen. Let me just say, it's pretty awesome to think. Think about it, guys. God allowed you to be alive at your age today in this season and what He has in store. And, and you watch the news even today. We're in a volatile situation in our world. Acts chapter 2 says, In the last days I'm going to pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And he said, Signs and wonders are going to happen in the sky above. This year, beginning this year and in 2014, 2015, something unusual is going to happen in the skies. They're going to be what is called four blood red moons. They're going to fall on Jewish feast days beginning this year, this fall, going into next year. That's something that's not happened. And it's going to happen where the moon is going to be turned to blood. It's going to look like it's blood. So that tells me we are in the last of the last days. Jesus can come back anytime. And until He does, we've got work to do. We've got battles to fight. And God has raised you up for such a time as this. So I'm just telling you, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's awesome what God wants to do through you. Amen? God bless.